turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Our theme uh, is going to be revival tonight. We're going to be looking at verse 14. We'll actually look at the entire chapter. We're going, to, we're going to go through it. We're not going through every verse tonight. But we're going to highlight some principles or truths from the perspective of verse 14. And then after that, we're going to have the pastors pray uh, for our men's retreat and for revival. So I'm going to start off. Then Pastor Bowman, Pastor Felber, Pastor Wyman, and then Pastor Hurst. When Pastor Hurst is done praying, then Pastor Bowman will come up and we'll be dismissed by singing a chorus together as we usually do. Look with me in verse 14, if you would, please. This is going to be our central theme from which we interpret our passage tonight. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. When he's talking about, and we looked at this last week in Romans chapter 13, there's a key word there, and that is what? Awake. Wake up, right? Awaken. And the idea is to come back to a state of consciousness and alertness. And here, Paul, writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the Ephesian believers, and by extension to us, is saying, hey, wake up. Arise from the dead. You say, wait a minute, I am already a new creation in Christ Jesus. Exactly. So stop living like an unbeliever. That's what he's saying. Arise from the dead. You're saved. You're a new creation. But kind of like, how many of you have ever taken music lessons? How many of you have ever been on a sports team and had a coach? How many of you ever had a, you don't have to raise your hand for this one, but I, I imagine you have probably heard as I have, okay, something like this. Especially if you take keyboard or guitar. Your fingering is not right. You are slipping back into some of your old habits. Right? Or your form is off. Right? Um, that is not the proper way to function in that sport or how to do that or whatever. Hey, listen, you're, you're slipping back into some old habits. And that's kind of what Paul is saying here to the believers. He's saying, hey, wake up, become alert to some of these truths in this passage because you're slipping back into some of your old carnal living like an unbeliever habits. You need to wake up. And what is baptism? It's a picture, right? When we identify with Christ, we know that baptism is not a part of salvation. But we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was also raised up from the dead... By the glory of the Father, we also should what? Walk in newness of life. And that's what Paul's saying, walk in newness of life. Okay? So here are some things, and we're just going to look through, some of the, through this passage tonight in Ephesians 5. And these are reminders, hey, you need to wake up to some of these things, and you need to start doing these things again. Christianity is not just about, I don't drink, and I don't chew, and I don't run with the girls that do. It's not all about the bad stuff that we don't do. We think, hey, I'm a pretty godly person because I don't do this bad thing and that bad thing and this thing that's pro prohibited in Scripture. Hey, listen, James 4, 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him, it is what? It is sin. And that's also what Paul in this passage says. He goes, look, to not be doing the things in this passage is like you're living like an unbeliever. So what are some of those things? I'm going to go look at, read with me verses 1 and 2. Be therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. So we are to follow God by imitating Christ and obeying his will as it's revealed in his word, the Bible. So let me ask you this question. If there were somebody this week, this past week, 
that was observing your life, would it be obvious that you are a follower of Jesus Christ by the way that you live, by the choices that you make, by the reactions that you have? We are to be followers of Christ. That's what it is to be a disciple. A disciple is a follower. And when a person, a believer, is baptized, he is saying, I am committed to walking in newness of life, following Jesus Christ. So we need to be followers of God as dear children. Christ's example of loving us sets for us the example of loving each other. Look back, if you would, and walk in love. He doesn't say here and there when, the, when it just kind of the muse strikes you or you get this emotional flood uh, of affection for a brother and sister in Christ, then act in love. He says walk in love. It is a consistent, habitual thing that we serve each other and we pray for each other and we lovingly confront each other and, and, we, and we grow together and we serve God together and we walk in love. And Christ is that example for us. And one of the things that Paul is highlighting here by this mention of Christ in verse 2 is that, listen, all of these expectations that God has for us are based on the sacrifice and the love of Christ for us. Now, Let's look further. Look at verses 3 to 5. The Bible says, But fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness or foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger nor unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let me sum this little principle up. God expects us to be completely holy in all manners of human sexuality. Listed here are things from general to very specific, including speech, which betrays unholy, ungodly thinking. Now, where do you think ungodly thinking comes from? How are we affected by ungodly thinking? Through our eyes, through our ears, through the things that we look at on our smartphones, things that we watch on television, the things that we listen to. Hey, listen, let, let me give you just a, a little warning here. And by the way, I'm not trying to spy out anybody's quote-unquote Christian liberty here tonight. But it's interesting how you can preach on a lot of things, but you start talking about Christians listening to secular music and they get very defensive and touchy. But if you were to stop and truly analyze the spirit of that music, the overall genre of that music. That is music of darkness, not music of light. And what the danger in a lot of that music, because, oh, you know, I've had people say, well, it's not explicit. No, but it's implied. And what it does is it begins to break down inhibitions for you to go back into living at like an unbeliever, accepting the philosophy, thinking like an unbeliever. And that which you listen to and that which you see is going to work in your heart. And that's why Solomon said in Proverbs, Guard, keep, protect your heart with all diligence. For out of it are the issues of life. Folks, if there is a call for the church today that will cause us to shine brightly in a spiritually dark, sin-cursed earth, this is one of those things where we walk in a moral purity and holiness, in a very sex-saturated, wicked, perverted, ungodly, and perversion is being aggressively promoted in our culture 
And the danger with that is, is then we start becoming comparison in our thinking, and so other stuff doesn't seem so bad compared to that. And we begin to be lulled to sleep because this is so extreme over here that this is not so bad, and pretty soon we need for the Spirit of God to say, Hey, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead. You're beginning to go back to the old way of thinking. You're slipping back into old habits, into old forms. And you need to be followers of Christ. And you are to be holy as he is holy. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16. All right, I'm going to try to work through this. So I've got to be careful because I've got to really preach a long time uh, just on, on this. But um, I want to work our way through the passage. So I'm going to try to keep pace. All right? Look at verse 8. Okay, and I promise you we're not going to every verse. And I'm not even going to read every verse. Some of them I'm just going to refer to and let you study out later. Verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We need to be reminded that we were darkness. We weren't just in the kingdom of darkness. We were darkness. We not only, as Paul talks about the Romans, we not only sinned, but took delight in them that did sin. And we were darkness. But now we are light in the Lord. We're to walk as children of the light. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Christ, the Father's dear Son, into this kingdom of light. We are to walk as children of light. Did not Jesus tell us, his disciples, in Matthew 5, ye are the light of the world? How much light are we shining? Or is there something that's hindering that? One of the things that, um, when we got this explorer, one of the things that I noticed about it was that the lights really weren't that really shining that well at night. And so I was checking, is one of the light, you know, one of the headlights out? No, they weren't. But there was one of these, you know, that aged film kind of stuff? And so you can go, you can go to an auto parts store and you can get the stuff that you put on there that clears it up. And I had to do two or three times that process. But you know what? When that lens was a lot more clear, the light, I couldn't believe how much brighter the lights shone down the road at night because that which was opaque and now became clear. Christian, we need to have a clear testimony. We need to walk as children of, of light. Look at verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. We, our lives, should be producing the harvest of walking in the Spirit. And here they are, moral excellence and kindness, doing what is right and thinking what is right according to the truth. That's how it literally translates from the Greek in that verse. That is something we need to be reminded that we should be pursuing. Look at verse 10. Proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. We are to put to the following test everything in our lives. Here it is. Does this have God's full agreement? That word proving what is acceptable to the Lord is not the way we use it in our English today. Well, that's acceptable. It's okay. It'll do. No. Proving what is, or testing, putting everything to the test, does God fully, completely agree and approve of this in my life? I think a lot of Christians have kind of rewritten that verse, practically speaking, proving what is acceptable unto me. And if it pleases God, well, that's just kind of a bonus. Does this have God's full agreement? Does he approve? Like verses 11 and 12. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Now notice he doesn't say have no fellowship with unbelievers. We're not to go out of the world. We're in the world, but not of the world. 
The biblical principle of separation from one who is practicing sin is somebody who claims to be a born-again believer, but they are living as an unbeliever. They're being confronted. They're not responding to that confrontation. The Bible gives clear biblical teaching that we are to separate from fellowship with them. But even in that passage, the apostle, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, clarifies and says, look, but I'm not saying to separate from everyone who sins, but from those who call themselves brethren or believers who are practicing sin. For otherwise, you'd have to go out of the world. Folks, we are here to reach the world. But we cannot become like the world to reach the world. And again, again, this is part of why this emphasis of verse 14 is so important. We need to wake up and arise from the dead and stop living like we did when we were spiritually dead. We need to arise. We need to walk in the light. Wake thou that sleepest. Let God get a hold of your attention and arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. Say, what do I do? I need that guidance. How do I grow? You commit to following Christ and he'll give you the light. He is the light. If we walk with him and see us in the light, we have fellowship with him. All right, I want to go off and preach. I keep stopping myself from going any further. But instead of, verses 11 and 12, instead of associating with or being involved in any way with the things of the kingdom of darkness, we are to reprove them. Most people that I meet are not natural confronters. Most of us like don't, don't like to confront somebody else, okay? But the Bible says that we are to reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. And that makes us stand out like we are some sort of lunatic, right? But I think the way where we start with reproving the unfruitful works of darkness is among our brothers and sisters in Christ. Judgment must first begin at the house of God. But I believe that it is also legit, and I think we are beginning to buy into the lie that it's not legit for a Christian to reprove the works of darkness to that world of darkness. And we're not going around haranguing people, but we need, we need to call sin, sin, and we need to stand for what is truth. And we need to say, I'm not going to associate with that because that is sin. Look at verses 13 and 14. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth maketh manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, awake, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. We are to walk in the way revealed to us by God's light. He is the light. His word is the light. Now look at verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. We are to walk carefully and conduct ourselves in godly wisdom. You know, Satan wants to put a lot of snares out there for us, does he not? And unbelievers whose lives may be convicted by our testimony, who don't like it when we witness to them or try to invite them to an evangelistic Bible study or something like that, they try to lay traps for us to discredit us, to make them, to, to maybe soothe and salve their own conscience, conscience so that they don't really have to listen to the gospel. And we don't need to give them, arm them with that. We need to walk carefully and conduct ourselves in godly wisdom and not fall for those, pra- those traps. The Bible says, A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. The simple pass on and are punished. We are to, when we put on the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, we are to watch and pray, are we not? So it does us no good to have the armor if we are not vigilant and ready. Again, Moving on. Look at verse 16. 
redeeming the time because the days are evil, we are to take full advantage of the present season of opportunity for the kingdom of God. Are we doing that? Do you know sometimes we don't want to press our advantage too much because we don't want to be seen as maybe manipulating or whatever when it comes to maybe a spiritual conversation. Somebody's struggling through something. And yes, we want to encourage them, we want to comfort them, but maybe we begin to see that their heart is open to the things of God and we should take that opportunity and not be shy about then taking advantage of that opportunity. That's a season when their heart is tender, when the light of the truth is shining in their understanding and they're being tender to that and you're sharing the love and the truth of Christ with them. You need to take advantage of that because you know what? That opportunity may pass. While the sun is out from behind the clouds, before the clouds begin to come back in over their mind and begin to hide and cloud the sun again, we need to strike. We need to take advantage of that season of opportunity while we can. Look at verse 18. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We are to be dominated only by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We should use godly music to remind us of God's truth and character. Isn't it interesting here, I mentioned music a few minutes ago, and I'm not trying to preach, subtly preach a a message on music, right? But I'm saying this, you know, how can you, if you're trying to, listen to secular music and there's a worldly philosophy that rejects God's truth by and large. It's in darkness. It's promoting things that God forbids. And you have that influence in your heart and then you're trying to also at some point put this in. Folks, you know what what Paul said about that in 1 Corinthians 10? You cannot eat at the Lord's table and the devil's table. You can't drink of the Lord and the, and, and the table of, of, de, of the cup of, to drink from the cup of demons. We need to choose. As, as, as Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. And for some, it may be, I don't know. And this, um, this is not based on anything that's been revealed to me in any specific way. All right? This is just the Spirit of God laid this on my heart to share tonight. It may be that there are some music choices that you need to make in your life personally. And if you need some help with that, there are people here who are well-trained in music. Some have even written books on this subject that could help you with that so that you can have the right kind of ministry because we are to be ministering to ourselves spiritually with spiritual, godly, good Christian music instead of allowing our minds to be attacked and weakened in spiritual resistance by secular music that opposes the things that we are supposed to be meditating on. We should be expressing thankfulness to God. Look at verse 20. Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe this is something we need to wake up to again and have a renewed gratitude and thankful, thankfulness. The Bible makes different admonitions. One like you forgot that you were purged from your old sins. Man, we need to thank God for that. We need to rejoice in that. Jesus said to one of the churches in his letter in Revelation through the Apostle John, I have someone against you because thou hast left thy first love. Not lost, like you accidentally lose the remote to the TV or your car keys or something. It's not that you, that you accidentally lost it. It's that you purposely took steps away and you left it. And we need to awake 
from that spiritual lethargy, and we need to stop living as we did as unbelievers, and we need to walk in the light. And that part of that is expressing gratitude and thankfulness to God. And praise the Lord, we're going to be getting these lights changed out pretty soon. <laughs> so we will no longer be in darkness, but we will be completely in light, Lord willing. All right. Look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. We are to be serving one another and esteeming each other from a perspective of humility. We need to wake up to that. It's very easy for us to get selfish. It's very easy for us to get a little bit judgmental. And all Satan needs is just a little bit of opening in the door to get his foot in the door and begin to cause division among the brethren. And then I'm not going to read these verses, but verses 22 to 33 talk about marriage. And here is the way that I've summed that up in something that God needs to awaken us to and that we need to be pursuing. Instead of living in selfishness, instead of li- let me ask you this question. What is a distinction in your relationship with your spouse that is different than unbelievers in, in good marriage, in quote, good marriages? There should be very obvious distinctions. But in verses 22 to 33, the Bible says husbands and wives should fulfill their God-given responsibilities within the marriage and illustrate the relationship between Christ and his bride, the church. And our thinking needs to be moved in that direction as we ask God to awaken us up and to purposefully, purposefully walk in the light. You know one of the most difficult places to walk for God is in your own home. We too often let down our guard. It's too easy to get selfish. It's too easy to think that we can kind of put that off and just kind of whatever. But we need to be walking in the light in our own homes and in our own marriages. Now, that is the admonition for tonight. All of these things, I trust that whichever ones the Spirit of God has spoken to you about, that you will continue to meditate on those, that you go back maybe through and just reread through and pray through Ephesians chapter 5. Let me encourage you to maybe even get out a concordance and read and look at some of the key words and study this out. Get some good sound commentaries. Study through this, pray through this, and ask God to teach you and to prepare your hearts for the work that he is going to do. Again, as I have said before, revival is not something that just comes on us all of a sudden and then just leaves. Okay, it's not like a weather event. But it is something as we individually experience the Spirit of God teaching, confronting us through the Word of God. We have a humble, contrite, obedient response to that. We yield ourselves fully to Him in that specific aspect at that specific moment. And then we begin to pursue growth in that area. And so there's that constant sense in which revival is something that should be continual. And then as we are working on that, many times the Spirit of God says, all right, you just still need to keep an eye on that, but now let me reveal this to you. And there's a renewed revival in that area of our lives as well. I don't know what it is for you. I I'm realize what it is for me, but I trust that God will show you and that you will be ready. All right, again, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask Pastor Bowman to come and pray just right here behind the mic, uh, behind the pulpit here. And then uh, Pastor Felber and Pastor Wyman and then Pastor Hurst, if you'd close us out in a word of prayer. And then Pastor Bowman will lead us in a dismissal uh, chorus. Heavenly Father, the flesh lusts.